0: Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message.
1: I know some of y'all looking like, whoa, what was he thinking? (laughs) It all ties in though. (laughs) It all ties in. And we want to thank all of the fathers that submitted an essay. We want to thank each and every one of you but we can only have so many winners, and so this is what the panel of judges uh, uh, selected. So I want to talk today about fathers to the rescue. Fathers to the rescue. We live in an age and a time, and it's been for a while, but even more so today in this era that we're living in, because we see the dysfunction and the tearing down of the nuclear family more today than ever. Um, and so I say, I'm calling fathers to the rescue. We have to realize, and this this comes out of 1 Samuel 30. And you might say, 1 Samuel 30? Wait a minute, how are you getting fathers to the rescue out of that? And so what we see in that chapter, and I'm going to read portions of it, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. But out of the Amplified, I want to start, first of all, with uh, verse 1 there. And in verse 1, it says, Now when David and his men came home to Ziklag on the third day, they found the Amalekites had made a raid on the south of the Nagab and on Ziklag and struck zigzag and burned it with fire. If you read on to verse number 2, I'm going to go ahead and read verse number 2. It says, "And had taken the women and all who were there, both great and small, captive. They killed no one but carried them off and went on their way." Go ahead to verse number 3, and it says, "So David and his men came to the town, and behold, it was burned, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. So I want to stop right there. So we want to talk about what happened. And in order to lay the foundation of why when I talk about fathers to the rescue, The first thing I want to say is when you read those first three verses, you realize that David and the men and his men were out of position. That's why the family got captured. If you go back to uh, chapter 29, in chapter 29, David was with the Philistines, the very people that he's known for. Uh, uh, overthrowing when he killed Goliath, he was with the Philistines, and guess what the Philistines were doing? They were on their way to fight the Israelites. They were on their way to fight Saul, the very man who had given him his first wife, the very man who he had saw as a mentor, but the very man who had also rejected him and portrayed him. David and them were away from home. They were out in out of position. What's distracting you, fathers? What's keeping you away from home? What's got your attention? And it may not be bad, but it's not the best. What has taken you away from where you need to be? And sometimes you can be in the home, but not in the home. You can be physically in the home, but not emotionally in the home. And so I want to ask you this question. What's got you distracted? You see, David realized that he was distracted. Why? Not because David realized it, but because God the Father realized it, and he intervened in David's purpose. David was on his way to do what he thought was good, him and all his men. But God intervened and said, through a ungodly person says, uh uh, no, y'all need to go home. Y'all can't be in this battle because y'all might flip on us. We're going to they realize we're going to, to to fight the very people which you have been anointed to be king over. And so they were concerned that he might flip on them. And so God intervened and had them tell David to go home. You see, God the Father is always looking to rescue his people. Always. God the Father is a God of reconciliation, a God of redemption, and a God of rescue. He is always looking to rescue us. So whatever he needs to do, he will do to intervene to allow for the rescue. And the rescue is a process, not an event. And I'm going to explain that to you. I'm going to lay that out for you later. Because some of you think all I got to do is go say, oh, please forgive me. All I got to do is say, I repent. It's not that easy. Once the family is captured, it's not that easy to rescue them. It is a process. And I'm going to lay that out to you so you understand what the process is. So you got to realize, fathers, wherever you are, look around, pay attention. Just the other day, my wife and I were in a store looking for some locks for a new door. And I was out of position. Though I was right there beside her, I was out of position because my mind was somewhere else. And she kept telling me, hey, help me look for the locks. I need you to pay attention. And I was out of position. And finally, I realized, I said, just get whatever, whatever you like, whatever you like. I'm, th- I'm doing the nice, whatever you like. <laughs> but I wasn't listening because her concern was not my concern. And finally, it clicked. Security was important to her. And so then I turned, and I engaged in the conversation, and she was happy. Why? Because I stepped into where she was and realized what was going on. Now, I want to speak to the family. I want to speak to the ladies. I want to speak to the children for just for a moment. Because you play a part in the rescue. Whether you know it or not, you do. And I want to ask you, what, who, and why have the families been taken captive? That's the question on my mind. Because we see in in verse 2 and verse 3 that the wives and the children, the daughters and the sons were taken captive. What's taking them captive? I say there's three things. Number one, the world system. The Amalekites were like the world system. The Amalekites hated the Israelites. They were one of the first tribes to attack them when they came into the promised land. As a matter of fact, they were so hated not only by the Israelites, but by God. God said, annihilate them. Get rid of all of them. And if you remember Saul, let one stay around. Amalekah. And out of that came the Amalekites. And God also hates the world. In 1 John 2, it says this, verses 15 and 17, if you can put that up. is in the New Living Translation. It says, do not love this world. Now, when he's talking about that, he's not talking about the physical world. He's talking about the world system, the Antichrist mindset that goes on in the world. He says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not love the Father. Okay? It says you do not have the love of the Father in you. It says, for the world offers only a craving of physical pleasures a lot of our children are, fall, are caught up in physical pleasures huh in cravings for everything we see huh huh i need the next pair of nike's i need the next pair of this i need it. oh well you I, you don't love me if you don't give me a lot of us are caught up in things and it says and pride in their achievements and possessions. A lot, of, a lot of women, a lot of wives are caught up in their achievements and their possessions. I'm telling you. Why? Because fathers are out of position. Because husbands are out of position. Because they're out of positions, they go after what they feel they need in order to feel fulfilled. And because they do, they get caught up in the world system. And I, that is what led to what we see now as this whole thing of uh, feminine, feminine rights. Fem- females have always had rights. But according to the scriptures, but now we see that they're going after the things that the world does. Why? Because in a lot of cases, fathers and husbands are. We're out of position. I see also the flesh is another area that they're taking captive. When you are wounded, you start to focus on yourself rather than focus on out there. You start to focus on me, it becomes about me. And there are a lot of mothers, there are a lot of angry mothers who won't allow the fathers, even though they realize now I want to rescue my family, they will not allow them to rescue their family because they're still caught in their own bitterness. Because they're still wounded, they will not allow the fathers to come around the children and rescue them. Because their woundedness, they're caught up in self. What about me? What about my? What about this? What about that? Well, you weren't here when you see. We can't have that if you want to be rescued. In order to be rescued, I think that these women, when they were taken captive, And they were taken to the Amalekites. I don't believe that they were sitting there bashing their husbands, bashing their fathers, bashing those ones. I believe they were saying, come rescue me. Come get me out of this. Because they were taken away to be slaves. And sometimes we become slaves to our own flesh nature. And we began point C. To believe the lies and the deception of the enemy. He don't really care about me. He don't really love me. I can't. My daddy don't love me. He can't love me because he's not there for me. Well, what you haven't understand where your father may be. And now because if you stay in that place, you won't allow him to come to your rescue, but you start to get deeper and deeper and deeper into the lies of the enemy. And after a while, you even do reject Father God's rescue. And we see many in the world who say, I'm agnostic or I'm an atheist. And it's really because of their woundedness. It's not that they don't believe, it's just that they, they they hurt it to hurts too much to believe. Because they're still caught in that place of woundedness. And you have to, if you want to be rescued, be willing to forgive. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says. And all of this is a gift from God, who has brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God is, was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he has given, and he gave to us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You see, God has come along and he has said, Look, I know I'm not gonna hold it against you, but many children and many. Uh, uh, wives are still holding something against the fathers. And they won't accept when he's trying to reach out and rescue them, just like many won't accept the gift from God to rescue them out of their darkness. They have rejected the father because of their pain. They have rejected the father and believed the lies of the enemy and decided that I'm not going to allow him to rescue me. And so you continue to wallow in your misery. You continue to feel unfulfilled and not validated. Why? So I say to you, be willing to reconcile. I say to you, children, I say to you, mothers, I say to you, be willing. If the Father is coming to reconcile, be willing to allow for that reconciliation. If the Father is sincere about reconciling, be willing to forgive them of their sins like the Father has given us our, our sins. Be willing in order to be rescued. Got to be willing. And So we see that. Rescue. You cannot be rescued when you're wallowing, when you're living in bitterness. You cannot be rescued without allowing for reconciliation. And you cannot be rescued unless you're willing to forgive. And so what you're doing is you're standing there and you're standing behind your mountain and you're saying, leave me alone. There's a part of you that says, I want you to rescue me. But there's another part of you that says, but I'm afraid for you to rescue me. Why? Because I'm still in pain and I don't trust you. And so I will say to you, be open to the rescue that the Father should bring. And so right here, right now, I want to speak. And I I, I just wanted to lay a foundation. I could have gone much deeper, but I wanted just to lay a, a brief foundation before I talk about point number three. And point number three is rescue begins with self-encouragement through God the Father. And I'm back to speaking to the fathers now. I'm back to speaking to you. You see, in 1 Samuel 30, David, because of the situation, I want to read verses 4 through 7 real quick. If you could put verses 4 through 7 of 1 Samuel up. I want you to pay attention to what's being said here. And if not, I I got it right here. Um, So it says, then David, verse 4, it says, 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30. I'll just read it from here. It says, then David. And the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they were exhausted to weep no longer. Now David's two wives had been captured, Ahanam and the Jezreelite and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. Further, David was greatly distressed, Because the people spoke of stoning him, for all of them were embittered. See? All of them were embittered. These are the fathers. They've gotten home. They found their place burned. They found their wives and children gone. And now they're mad. They're hurt. They're upset. And they're ready to stone David. The very men who are ready to march to war with him are now ready to turn on him. And so we see this, and and, and it says in verse 6, Further, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all of them were embittered, each man for his sons and daughters. But David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. Okay? David said to Abathar the priest, Elimelech's son, bring me the ephod, and Abathar brought him the ephod. So David is looking around, and what I say, encouragement, the rescue begins with self-encouragement through God the Father. You see, David couldn't count on his men to encourage him. He had to encourage himself. Fathers, quit looking around for everybody to encourage you. Look up. Don't look around. Look up. You need to get into the place of prayer with the Father. You need to start to commune with the Father and let the Father encourage you and strengthen you when you are down, when you're feeling bad. There are many fathers out there that realize the wrong that they've done, but they are not able to come to your rescue because they haven't been strengthened in the Lord to do so. How do I know? I've been there my own So, There are times when I've been there, when my family is suffering, and I know what's going on, but I'm like, I'm miffed about how to fix it. I'm like, Ugh, uh, do I go get some cards and candy? Mm, that don't work. Oh, what do I do here? Until I get with the Lord. And allow him to strengthen me. Allow him to pour into me. Allow him, because why? He is all wise. He knows everyone. He knows your children. He knows your wife. He knows those who have been hurt. He knows you better than you know yourself. So you have got to get before the Lord. David said, I'm looking around and everybody is against me. But when I look up, I found one who is with me and who will encourage me, and who will strengthen me, and who will pour out on me. So you have to seek him and surrender to him. Seek him and surrender to him. Romans chapter 12, verse verse 1 and 2. What does it read? What does it say? It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. And verse 2 said, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. And that's what I've done. I'm trying to fix it. So I run out and I buy this and I run out and buy that and I run out and do this and I run out and do that. And none of it's working. Why? Because that's not what she needs. That's not what they need. And it's only when I began to commune with the Lord that he releases to me exactly what they need. So, Father, it starts with your relationship. I'm going to finish reading that. It says, and the behaviors of the world. But let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, when you get into the Lord, he knows what's good. He knows what's pleasing. He knows what's perfect to rescue your family, to rescue your children, to rescue your sons and your daughters. He knows what they need. He knows how you can interface with your wife, even though y'all may not, with the mother, even though y'all may not be married. So all of you fathers out there that says, I'm not married to the, to the mother anymore, but you can still be kind to the mother. Because it sets an example for the children. You see, children will always look to their mothers and their fathers. It doesn't matter whether you're together. And so what we have to do is realize and recognize that. We have to go get with the Lord and say, what is your instructions? How do I resolve this issue? How do I come to their rescue? The, the, The word of God says in Psalm 105, and you don't even have to put that up. The Word of God says in Psalm one hundred five, the uh, one nineteen. It says one hundred five, verse one hundred five. It says, "the the world, the Lord, the Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." You see, when we get into the Word, it shows us the way. It leads us in the way and how we can come to the rescue of our families, how we can help our children, how we can help those. Who are in need how we can help our sons how we can help our daughters because if we're looking to the world the world does not have the answers only God only God only God why because you got to go back to the manufacturers when you want to know how to fix something and he is the one the world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He was the one that created it all, and he knows best how to fix it all. We're going to a counterfeiter trying to get solutions for the real thing. Go back to your word, fathers. Stay in your word, fathers. Fathers. Go back and let him lead you. Don't look or expect others to do for you what you can do for yourself. You see, when Jesus was hurting, in the very time when he really needed his friends around him, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he took his buddies, they had been rolling with him. They were together with him three years. Oh, he said, these are my boys. These are my dogs right here. They've been rolling with me all this time. He said, now, I need y'all right now. I'm in a moment where I need you. And I want y'all to intercede for me over here while I go over there and pray to the Father. But his boys were sleeping when he came back. See, you can't always depend on your boys to help you out can't always look for it. As a matter of fact, when David decided, when he, when he talked to the Lord in 1 Samuel 30, when he talked to the Lord, he said, shall I go after them? You see, the father said, he, David didn't just say, okay, I'm strapping it on and I'm going on. He said, shall I, father, go after them? Hallelujah. See, before you move, check with the father. And when the father said, Yep, go after him, David said, I'm strapping it on now, (laughs) it's on now. I'm strapping it on and I'm going for them. Because the father had told them, Go after them and you're going to rescue them all. See? David understood that I need to check with the father, I need to get my instructions from him before I do, before I act, before I speak. So many times I've spoken. And no sooner than it's left my lips, I'm going, darn it, I shouldn't have said that. Because it further distanced me away from the very ones I'm trying to rescue. But when those times when I stop and I say, wait a minute, let me just wait on the Lord. Then he softens what I need to say. He gives me the right words to speak and the right tone to speak it in. Sometimes you can speak the right right words with the wrong tone, and it still comes out bad. See? Yeah, I'm going to do it for you. Okay, then don't do it for me. If If that's the way you really feel about it, then don't do it for me. Right words, wrong tone. But when you wait on the Father, he gives you exactly what you need in order to do the rescue. Stop dwelling on the past so you can move forward to the future. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, not that I have arrived. It says, dear brothers and sisters, I have not arrived. But I focus on one thing, forgetting the past Amen. and looking forward ahead to what lies ahead. I press to, on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Quit focusing on the past. Quit wallowing in your mistakes. Quit wallowing in your past sins. Father, sometimes we can't get out of our own way because we're still sitting there beating up ourselves. The Bible says what's done in the past, leave it in the past. You can't change the past, but you can change your future. And when we're stuck in our past, we won't move towards the future. And our families need us to move towards the future, not to stay in our past. And so many times we say, well, well, I I, I just don't know. I don't know how to say it. And I've been there. There's days that have gone by, and I'm thinking, okay, okay, okay. I I know I need to do something. I know I need to do something. But you know what? I just can't believe that I did that. I just can't believe that, that I messed up that way. And I just can't believe that I said that. And then the father says, shut up and listen. You're living in the past. What's in the past is past. Press towards the future. Come to me. Let me lead you into the future. Let me lead you to where you need to be. Let me give you what you need to say. Let me help you in how you need to act in order to resolve the issue. So I'll tell you to you, Father, stop dwelling in the past. You might have messed up a million times but there's always a future, and the future is bright. It doesn't matter where you are. You see, Jesus, the, the God the Father didn't care where we were at. He didn't care how many times we had messed up. He says, because I have a solution. I have an answer. I have a way to rescue you. The Father never dwells in the past, but he always deals with the future. So now it's time to go to war. And in 1 Samuel 30, it says here, point number four, to go to war with those who are willing and able. You see, there were 600 men with David. Only four of them went to war. Two of them said, 200 of them says, I'm exhausted. I, 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 I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Men. Surround yourself with men who are going where you are going. Surround yourself, connect with those who are going where you're going, who have the same heart, who are able to help you. Quit dealing, trying to deal with your hang-on to your old friends. Quit trying to hang on to your old, trying to hang on to those who keep you wallowing in the past. Quit trying to hang on, quit going to them for advice. Grab a hold of your brothers that are ready to go into the battle with you. It's what I do. Sometimes when I don't know what to do, sometimes when I'm all messed up, I say, Lou, hey Lou, uh, I need to talk to you, bro. Or I say, hey Louie, I need to talk to you. Or Harvest, I need to talk to you. Frankie, let's get together. When I need someone, I want to run with those who are ready to run with me, not with those who are exhausted. Not with those who have no strength. Not with those who are still dealing with their own issues. Always run with those. We have to go to war with them. But don't be upset with those who can't run with you. We will see later on. So now I want to get to the good part. Point number five. Know the enemy's tactics for your special situation. I never forget Valentine's Day. I'm trying to make up. To, uh, I'm going to go get some candy, chocolate, nice chocolate. And I'm going to get some flowers. I was like, honey, I'm walking in, smiling, smiling. Baby, look what I got for you. She looked at me like, and so what's that? I'm like, oh, snap. It wasn't her special situation. It wasn't what she needed. See, I was just looking at the world, and I was seeing what everybody else was doing, and so I decided to do that rather than seeking the Father for how I uniquely tell her, She's so important to me. And that's the way you need to be with your children. You need to tell them how uniquely important they are to you. and Quit calling them bad. Quit calling them bad. The Father doesn't call us bad. He calls us his sons and his daughters. Many times they're bad because you haven't paid enough attention. Now, can they be mischievous? Yes. Can they do wrong things? Yes. But quit calling them bad because now you put a label on them. See? When you tell them they're bad, now they will respond, I'm bad. Okay? They will respond that way because you've labeled them with something. So, you know, in 1 Samuel Chapter 30, once again, verse 16, David finds this servant. He says, I'm an Egyptian, and it says this. And when he had brought David down, behold, the raiders were spread abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoils they had taken from the land of the Philistines and the land of Judah. You see, he understood because they, if you read earlier in that same chapter, and I invite and encourage you to read through the whole chapter. They what happens is you find out they found this Egyptian who was with them, and the Egyptian starts to lay out to them. He starts to reveal the plan of the enemy. He starts to reveal what the enemy is. And he brings them down and unbeknownst to the enemy. Now David is seeing them. They out there partying. They're out there doing the things. So you need to pay attention to your children. You need to pay attention to what social medias they're on. You need to pay attention to what friends they're engaging with. You need to pay attention to how they respond to you. See, I can tell sometimes from my son or my daughter when something's going on. I say, hey, good morning. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. That ain't the right answer. And I don't jump on them, but I realize something's going on with them. See? That's knowing the enemy's plan. Something's going on inside of them that's trying to take them in a direction that's different from the God direction. Something. Some of you need to pay attention to the programs that your children are watching on TV. The music that their children are listening to because they may be taking them in the direction of captivity. Pay attention. Know what the enemy's plans are. And let me say this about the enemy. The enemy always works from the past and not from the future. He doesn't know your future, but he knows your past. He knows what the kids have been through. He knows the mistakes that you may have made. He knows what your wife or what the mother has been through. And so he will always work from the past. He will always try to draw them back to the things that caused them pain, that caused them hurt, that caused them to wonder if you love them. You have to understand this and know this. The enemy's attacks, the plans of the enemy. Understand it. Pay attention. Watch some of the TV shows out there and see the witchcraft that's going on in them. Don't just set your kids down. Don't just let them go anywhere. When my kids used to say, "I want to spend the night somewhere," who are you going with? What are you? What are you going to be doing? Who are you with? Leave me a number, huh? Guy, pay attention. When your kids are coming in and all they want to do is go straight to their room, you got to pay attention. Something's going on. Something's causing them to be caught captive. When your kids come home from school, don't just expect that they've learned reading, writing, and arithmetic. They might have learned something else. Talk to your kids. Hey, how was school today? What did you learn today? And they may say, oh, we did something. Well, tell me about it. Uh, it was good. Well, tell me about it. The less they want to talk about it, the more you should be concerned about it. Pay attention. Pay attention. So then David starts to engage in the battle. First Samuel 30, verses 19 through Uh, 17 through 19. If you go ahead and put that up for me. I'm almost done. This is is my second to the last point. It says, engage, point number six, engage in the battle until the rescue is complete. Remember I said at the beginning it's a process, not an event? (laughs) David engaged in the battle until it was complete. You can't give up. You can't give in. You got to engage for the long haul. And if you put that verse up there, it says, and when he, verse number, uh, 1 Samuel 30, verse 17, it says, verse 17, yes, thank you. And David smote them from twilight, even to the evening of the next day. See, he didn't just go in there and go, whoop, 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 it's done. No, it says, he. He smote them from even evening until the next day, and not a man of them escaped. David completed the process. He didn't do it halfway. He didn't go in and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about, uh, you know, talking to you like that, son, you know. Um, do you forgive me? Well, we know that that was just off. That was surface. <laughs> you got to go deeper, you got to stay in the battle until you win the war. You got to stay in there. And what the best, the first thing that I will tell you to do when you're engaging in battle is step into their world. What do I mean by that? Huh? My son likes video games, so sometimes I have to step into his world. Your children might have an interest in something, step into their world. Don't always be concerned about what you want them to be, but be concerned about what they want to be. When my son wanted to be a rapper, I stepped into his world. I started to go and pay attention to the things he was Rapping about to the things that he was speaking about to the people he was hanging with, step into the world. When your daughter, when my daughter decided she wanted to play basketball, I made a point of going to the games, I made a point of being there. It's what I love about Pastor George. He, pay, he pays attention, he engages with his sons, he does things with them. Don't always be so busy making money or be so busy doing things that you are not engaging with your kids. Take time out to engage with them. I don't care how old or how young they are. Take time out to get into their world, to know what they like, to know what's calling them, to know what's interesting them, to know what's going on. This is part of the battle. I'm trying to help you, fathers. I'm trying to give you some strategies. Step into their world. Don't always go in there trying to be the boss. Because they'll reject you. You don't care about me, you just care about you. But when you step into their world, when my daughter wanted to go into the military, though we didn't want her to go in, when she decided to go in, when she completed basic training, we were right there to root her on. Step into their world. I'm telling you, this is one of the most important parts of winning the battle. When your kids like to draw, and they may draw on some things you don't want them to draw on, (laughs) step into their world. You might have an artist in the making. But if all you're looking at is you just scribbled on on my refrigerator or on my wall, you're missing it, fathers. If all you want to do is discipline them for what they've done, instead of stepping into their world, you're losing the battle. Step into their world. Find out what's important to them. The next thing, and I'm almost done here. The next thing you want to do is you got to be willing to lay down your life. In John 15, 13, it says, No greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for another. Guys, so what are you willing to give up, fathers? What are you willing to give up? Years ago, I was sitting right in the place. I had just finished a project, a national project for a global company. I was part of the leadership team, part of the development team. And at that point, i never forget it. The guy came up, he says, each one of you have the opportunity to climb the corporate ladder. The whole company, all of the higher-ups, have paid attention to what you've accomplished. Here's your opportunity. And I went home, and I had to get before the Lord and determine if climbing the corporate ladder was in the best interest of our family. And for me, it wasn't. Because I knew if I would have climbed the corporate ladder I would have thrown myself to, into it so deeply that my family would not even see me or know me. So for me, it was not a choice. Though the money would have been, mm, mm, mm It was not an option. Guys, you got to understand, are you willing to lay down your life? Are you willing for your kids to be upset with you for a while before they decide to reunite with you? Are you willing, are you willing for them to say, to, to push you off a little bit? See, some of us, the first time our children reject us, we get upset and we get mad. Well, I tried. Didn't work. They don't want me to help them. They don't want me to be around. No, you've you, given up too quick. The battle's not over till you won. It may take a while. You know, you've heard the phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day. Sometimes we're dealing with years and years and layers and layers of hurt and rejection. And in order for you to win the family back, it's not going to happen in a moment. But you've got to be willing to say, you know what? If it takes the rest of my life, I'm going to continue the battle for my family. If it takes the rest of my life, I'm willing to do what I need to do to win them back. Are you there? Are you saying that? And then, guys, inside your package, there's a little knife. You got to walk in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, That little knife ain't going to do nothing. But it's symbolic of getting into the Word and living through the Word. Living through the Word. The Word of God. It says in 2 Timothy, if you look at that, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And when you take that and you look at that, and the next time you you see that little pocket knife I want you to think about this is the sword am I do I have my sword with me am I living through the sword am I daily getting into my word this is Lou's favorite phrase big Lou's favorite phrase is are you getting into the word fathers are you in the word because without it, you're going to be wondering and meandering around on how to rescue your family. But when you get into the word, it provides that sword that you can start to cut through the spirit matters. You can defeat the enemy. And when you walk, when you operate through the spirit, see, you got to change your mind you got to change your emotions, and you got to change your attitude if you want to win the war. And when you start to walk in the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit get in you, and you have patience. Hmm. That's something that a lot of us don't have. We would talk to our kids, and while our kids are still talking, we're trying to resolve the issue. Listen first. Hear what they're saying before you try to provide an answer. cause children realize when all you're trying to do is quickly okay let's hurry up and get this done or when you really care about them when you really care about them you'll take the time you know thank God for DVRs i can turn off the tv and say yes i you have my full attention <laughs> technology does do some good things even when my favorite team is playing my favorite Uh, ball game turn it off yeah you got my full attention let's go do this but you know even before DVRs I had to learn to do that sometimes I had to learn to say what my children are more important than that ball game my wife is more important than that TV show you have to sometimes let go You have to operate in the spirit and be willing to have patience with your children. Patience is, "Mm, guys, don't pray for it. But you need it. So accept it when it comes your way. Because patience, when you pray for it, God will give you something to find out whether you are patient. He will bring opportunities for you to grow your patience. So when we walk in the spirit, we're fighting in the enemy. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal, but mighty through God. See? We can't fight this battle with our fists. We must battle in the spirit for the souls of our children for the souls of our, of our wives and the mothers out there. Don't stop until the battle is won. You see, when you start to do these things, when you start to operate in the spirit, when you start to operate with gentleness and kindness, and why do I keep talking about wife? Because children look at how you treat their mother if you're married. And it will determine how they get treated or how they treat. So fathers, and you heard that message in a couple of what the father said. When I look at my children, have they seen in me what they need to see? It's so important, guys. Without saying a word to your children about how much you care about them, they will look at you how you care about their mother if you're not caring for their mother, then you don't care for them. You can give them a lot of things, but you need to give them your time. That's why I say, are you willing to lay down your life? So what are the benefits? I always like to end with the benefits. The benefits, what are the benefits of the battle In verse uh, number 20 through 30, it talks about David recovered all. He recovered every Every wife, every son, every daughter, they recovered. They rescued all of them. And in addition, they got the spoils. In addition, they got some extra. And so when we engage, fathers, when we really go after rescuing our families, when we really start to engage and understand the need that's out there, and, and, and before I, I talk about the benefits, I want to show this quick video, and I, I promise you, I'm almost done. When I, this quick video, <laughs> when this quick video, I'm gonna go through these three points went up real quick. Troubled
0: school who Listen answered to this. The call? A bunch of D.A.D.s. Here, CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Plagued with violence. That's Over the course of three days, another fight. 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. To but strangely, there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis <laughs> intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice your qualifications are
1: We're dads. We're dads. we decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who for
0: us so michael lafitte started dads on duty We're Out doing what we do for our babies a group of about 40 southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts let's go today any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting
1: what's going on buddy you moving fast i like that horse
0: I immediately felt a form of safety. We stopped fighting, people started going to class. How could that be?
1: You ever heard of a look?
0: A look? Dads (laughs) have the power to do that?
1: Yes. (laughs) Not many people know it, but yes.
0: (laughs) Let's go, let's go. But it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings. Let's make it to class, my son. It's also the dad jokes.
1: They just make funny jokes like, oh, hey, your student's untied, but it's really not untied. <laughs> and they hate it. They're so embarrassed by it.
0: <laughs> and it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dads do so well that has helped transform this school.
1: The school has really just been like happy and you can feel it.
0: Which is why the dads plan to keep coming to Southwood indefinitely. Because not everybody has the father figure, the father figure at home or a male, period. In their life, so just to be here makes a big difference. Do you think they stumbled onto something here? Absolutely, I think absolutely. absolutely. They'd like to start chapters of dads on duty throughout Louisiana What's up, baby boy? and hope to eventually take on the country. Right. Thank you. Without a fight. <laughs> so, on the right.
1: you see how they transformed the school. They weren't professionals. They didn't have degrees. All they were were dads who were willing to get into the fight to rescue children. And there was a transformation that went on. You see what happens when you get in the battle. The benefits are family restoration. The benefits are that rescuing those whose fathers were engaged in the battle. You see, some of them may not have their father around to help them be rescued. But you can be that father figure for them. Many of these men and many of those who went with David were the father figures that helped rescue the sons and the daughters. The testimonies which will help others in the future. You know, one of the startling things I heard is that what you see there, those kids will remember that. Fathers who have taken the time to come into a a school, and some of those children are not their children, but they're somebody's children, and they care enough about them to make a difference. Fathers, the world needs you. You may not have children in the natural, but you can be that fire figure. Like Paul was for so many, you can be that man that steps into the life of a child, a son, or a daughter and makes a difference in their future. You can be that person if you're willing and build a legacy that will far outlive your life. Build a legacy that will speak to the difference that you made in the lives of so many. I want to end right there. If you guys can just move that for me. And like I said, so many times when it comes to Father's Day, I hear sometimes people. I'd rather not go to church on Father's Day. I'd rather not do this on Father's Day because of the poor and bad experiences that they had with their own father. But there are some father figures in this church who are willing to step into that place. And so I want i want Pastor George and Harvest and Pastor Lewis and Enrique, Frank, want these men are willing to step in and right now right here right today maybe your father's not around maybe your father's not here but you feel the need you have a desire to receive a blessing from a father you have a need that can't be nourished maybe your husband's not here today I'm looking for those who are here alone. Your husband's not with you. Your father's not here. I'm talking to you today. Don't resist the rescue. These fathers are here to stand in proxy. We are sent from the Father to help to rescue you out of wherever you are. So right now, right today, right now, if you are here in this place, And you're feeling the need. Maybe it's just a father's hug. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's just a blessing. I want you to come up right now. If you are here today, I want you to come. I want you to come. Get out of your seat right now. I want you to come right on up here. We want to pray over you. We want to to pray with you. I want you to come. If you are here today, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. If you are here today and you say to yourself, there's still something inside of me that I need a father's touch. I need a father's love. I need a father's word. I need that today, right now. If that's you, I want you to come on up. Stand in in front of one of these fathers. And let them speak to you. Let them be there for you. Let them help bring what you need. Anyone else? Don't be ashamed. This is for your future. Don't live in your past. But I want you to step into your future. So right now... These fathers are going to love on you. They're going to speak over you. They're going to make make a commitment to stand with you today, right now. If there's any others, if there's any other, if you're a young man in here, I know sometimes young men will say, "I'm strong. I'm okay. I'm cool," because they don't want to feel like they're weak. But Paul said, "In my weakness." His strength is made perfect. So, if that is you, young man, maybe you're here today, maybe you are a father, but you still need a father's touch. I want you to come right now. Then we're going to have one more time of prayer. Any others? Any others? others and the young men in here that feel like hey I I could use a father's touch today. come on down there may be someone here yeah come on down come on down young men if your father's not here you need a father's touch that's it yeah. Sometimes it's difficult for the men because they want to be strong. But you can't be strong when you're hurting on the inside. You have to realize that and recognize that. There are fathers here, and we want to rescue you out of your situation. We want to rescue you out of your circumstance. Yeah, sometimes it takes a while for us, guys. In a moment after they get through, I'm going to release these fathers up here. And I want all of the families to get together. If you're here with your wife and your children, I want you to get together. Is there any others that are here that need father's touch today? If you are here, this is the last call. This is the last opportunity. Don't stay in your seats. Don't stay in your seat. Come and get a Father's touch.
0: Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit
1: RemnantChristianCenter.com.